0: Welcome to the Fight for Grade-Level Reading. I'm Brian Reese. One of the great things about working to improve the outcomes of young children is that there is a wide spectrum of people and organizations who recognize the importance of the effort and are willing to participate. Many of those come to the fight for a lot of different reasons. That's the case with Mission Readiness, a group of retired generals and admirals that advocate for early childhood education, healthy school meals, and physical activity in schools. As the number of young Americans who qualify for military service declined, they looked at the root causes and decided to get involved. And stick around after the interview for a quick guide to getting your story into the local media.
1: With us is retired Lieutenant General George Troutman of the United States Marine Corps, where he served for 37 years. After retiring, he joined national nonprofit Mission Readiness, and he's here today to talk with us about what they do and why their work is so important. Good morning, Kim. Good morning, George. Thanks so much for uh, for joining us today. Can you tell us about the goals of Mission Readiness?
2: Yeah, Mission Readiness is an organization of about 750 retired generals and admirals from all across the country. And we work together to try to ensure that America's youth stay in school, that they stay fit, and they stay out of trouble. You know, with about 71% of young people ineligible to serve in the military today, Those of us who participate with Mission Readiness, we try to focus on advancing research-based policy solutions that help kids get on the right track, and we try to ensure that they're qualified to succeed in the military or in whatever walk of life they choose to pursue.
1: And can you tell us why you decided to get involved?
2: Well, I joined Mission Readiness when I retired from the Marine Corps in in 2011 because I believe in its mission first and foremost, but I, I primarily really do care about what happens with America's youth. I want them to excel, I think it's important for them, but I think more importantly, it's important for America and for the military service to uh, have a, uh, a group of young people who are succeeding in life in all ways.
0: You mentioned that uh, 71% of America's youth are not fit to serve in the military. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, why they aren't?
2: Well, the main problems that we have are that about 31% of young adults are overweight, and, uh, frankly, uh, too out of shape and and, uh, too obese to serve in the military. About 40% of young adults can't qualify for military service because of a previous record of crime or drug abuse, and about 23% of high school graduates who tried to join the the Army in the last few years uh, scored too low on the Army's basic entrance exam. So it's a combination of fitness, uh, education, and a record of either drug abuse or crime that, that keeps them out.
1: And why is early education important to the military?
2: Well, the military rarely accepts recruits who are without a high school diploma. So a high school diploma is an important baseline uh, qualification uh, to enter the military. And We found that high quality early education is what helps youth develop a strong educational foundation so that they can be prepared to finish the K-12, K-12 curriculum. What are some- high quality early education has been shown on numerous occasions and in many different studies to increase graduation rates by between 40 and 50 percent. So it's extremely important that uh, we start these young children off correctly in their school journey, even before their school journey for that matter, so that they can uh, achieve a high school diploma at the end of their 12 years of study.
0: What are some of the initiatives and programs that Mission Readiness has put into place over the past uh, nine years or so?
2: Well, we try to do as much as we can to advocate for increased funding for quality early education at both the state and the federal levels. We've also championed uh, healthier school meals and more opportunities for physical activities in our school. We were involved in efforts to improve the quality of school meals in, uh, in Florida. And millions of uh, children across the country are now eating healthier food at school, thanks to a broad coalition of our retired admirals and generals, but also those other organizations that advocate for these policies, including some in the media, such as your organization. Here in Florida, Mission Readiness was active in ensuring that physical education was kept in the school curriculum as well.
1: Are there any remedial things applicants can do to come back and reapply when they can't make the cut?
2: Well, of course they can. It's uh, It sometimes happens, but you're fighting uphill against 17 or 18 years of uh, activities that have made them unqualified to serve. But if an applicant is rejected based on physical fitness or low military entrance uh, exam scores, they can uh, work to improve those uh, elements through physical training and remedial education and come back and try again.
0: You know, I've seen some pictures of the work you guys have done you actually get your hands dirty, don't you? I mean, I saw pictures of generals and admirals reading to uh, young children. People participating in mission readiness, they get out there into the community, don't they?
2: Well, with 750 participants all around the nation and a, a strong individual interest and passion for this uh, mission, you're exactly right. Uh, we we often have people who go into the schools and speak to young people, people that go on the Hill and speak to uh, federal... Uh, legislators and also into the state legislators and and, and try to do our best to, uh, to advocate for what we feel strongly about.
0: It, it's interesting because this is a different tact. We've seen in other places people taking an economic tact to improving early childhood education, but this is a completely different one that appeals to a wide variety of people from all sorts of different political spectrums. Are you finding that it's because you guys are retired military and because you're coming at it with a national defense perspective, do you find that you get better traction than you might otherwise?
2: Well, I'm not sure. I appreciate that that's what you've observed, and I think that's that's exactly what we would hope would occur. We are certainly a bipartisan organization. I mean, we have uh, the full spectrum of Democrats to Republicans from left to right in our organization, and uh, we don't consider this to be a partisan issue at all. And if we do have any credibility uh, because we're former military uh, leaders, then uh, then so be it. We're we're happy to try to use that that to our benefit and to the benefit of the mission readiness objectives.
0: What do you think are the biggest success stories you guys have found over the past nine years? What are what are your think the things that mission readiness is most proud of accomplishing?
2: Well, I think it's hard to put your finger on a specific thing that we've done on our own. What, what we have done though is we've added a voice to, to others who have seeing that this is important, and have tried to contribute in, in their own way. I think that some of the legislation that has occurred in, in various states is, uh, is important, but we don't take credit for doing that on our own. We take credit for being a part of a coalition of organizations that, that see the value proposition there.
1: George, can anyone join Mission Readiness?
2: Now well, mission readiness is a is an organization that limits itself to uh, just retired admirals and generals from the United States military services. But we certainly welcome anyone to follow us on social media on uh, Facebook or Twitter. But even more important than that, we welcome anybody who wants to join the cause and advocate for this important element of of our society. So we're uh, we're ready, willing, and able to stand shoulder to shoulder with others who uh, who support this cause.
1: Great, thank you so much. To learn more about Mission Readiness or if you're interested in joining as a volunteer, check them out online at missionreadiness.org. George Troutman, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Well, thank you, Kim, and, and Brian. Thank you both. I appreciate talking to you and I, I appreciate what your, uh, your paper is doing to forward this, uh, this uh, important element of society uh, uh, and information out to the public. Thank you so much.
0: Well, thank you for your service both uh, in the military and after the military. Now, a final thought. Here at the Fight for Grade-Level Reading, we have a unique opportunity to cover issues that are important to our community in Sarasota, Florida, but also important to the country as a whole, thanks to a grant from the Patterson Foundation to support coverage of grade-level reading issues. But not every newsroom has the luxury of devoting resources to a single topic, even one as expansive as this. That places the responsibility for getting the story out primarily in the hands of the people and organizations directly involved in grade-level reading issues. As if you didn't have enough to do, right? To help out, here are the five tips to dealing with the media that I often tell to nonprofit organizations when they ask how to get the media to cover their story. It's not a comprehensive guide, to be sure, but it's a good place to start. First, develop a good eye for the difference between news and public relations. With ever-decreasing resources, newspapers and other media organizations are spread thin, so fluffy stories about successful events, ribbon-cuttings, or other things have fallen by the wayside. It may be important to you, but these days it might not count as news. Newspapers want a story that impacts the community and extends beyond just your organization. Second, start some relationships. Identify the reporters and editors who write stories on topics you deal with and contact them. Don't inundate them with calls, emails, and press releases. Save the relationship for story ideas that you think will really appeal to them. Three, make it easy for them. If you have a good story, make sure to have other resources on hand to help the reporter. Things like data sources, high-resolution photographs, or easy access to people who have been affected by the subject of the story. It's a little extra work for you, but it makes it much more likely that a reporter will get behind the story. Four, don't just promote your organization. If you identify something that would be a great story but doesn't involve your efforts, feed it to the people you know in the media. That builds trust and strengthens your media relationships. They'll be more likely to grab onto your story the stronger your relationship is. Number five, don't take it personally. If you have a great idea, but your local media passes on it, don't write them off. Maybe they didn't have the resources to cover that story that day. Maybe they disagreed that it was worth the airtime, or maybe someone dropped the ball. It doesn't matter. Just come back with a new story idea later. Calm persistence will pay off. Now for your homework. If you read the newspaper or watch the local news, start a list of the reporters who write stories about the topics you work in. If you don't have an immediate story idea, maybe invite them to visit your organization or attend an event where they can see what you do in action and talk to the people you help. It might take a while, but it will pay off. Have a great week.
1: is retired Lieutenant George, General George Troutman. <laughs> well, why don't the, you start that again? Sure.
0: Not a lieutenant. Come on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Thanks.